Good morning. The New Testament of the Bible is made up largely of letters. And what that means, um, with respect to understanding what passages mean, how we should understand and apply them, the proper interpretation of the meaning of these letters is what the original readers would have understood. So there's a movement. Sometimes you come to the Bible and you think, well, this is saying this, and I think it says this, and there's room for that. But if we really want to tack down the proper understanding of a verse is what would the original readers have understood? God could have revealed his will using timeless maxims. He chose, however, to communicate himself to and through people who lived at a particular point in history. Therefore, to understand what something means, we've got to understand a little bit of the history and how they would have understood. This will be important to remember. We'll point it when we deal with this morning's passage. Look what it says. We're in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 15. Let's work our way through it. Paul begins in verse 6. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Paul was confident that when he died, his spirit would exit his body. It's what happens at death. Our spirit and our body go in different directions. What he understood is that his spirit at death would exit his body and enter God's presence. And this is what he rooted his faith in, in the promise that there is life on the far side of death. Um, he believed that he would be relocated because our spirit is really what makes us up. It's our personality. It's who we are. And what Paul understood is that his spirit would relocate out of this earthly tent into a permanent building from God. Um, living with a view to eternity motivated him to please God and to put forth effort and discipline in doing so. This faith gave him boldness and confidence to proclaim the gospel to men and women. Gospel means good news. Life on the far side of death is really good news. Um, And again, it will be important for us to have his confidence in mind, because what he says next is confusing. What he says, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Paul moves from confidence to the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you're Paul, that probably pulls a smile on your face. I mean, he's going to hustle to the front of the line. I mean, he was Paul. 
You and I, we're a little bit different. We're not going to hustle to the front of the line. And then when we hear something like this, it, it gives us pause. It's important to understand what judgment Paul is referring to. And that's what we'll try to clear up this morning. What judgment is Paul thinking about? And what we'll understand, and I'm going to say it now, and we'll explain it, and then we'll apply it at the end. This is a steward judgment not a servant judgment. And so if we're going to understand this judgment, we have to understand the difference between steward judgment and servant judgment. We have to understand the difference between stewards and servants because in the Bibles, they're not treated the same way. Um, Let's try to distinguish the two. Um, When we look at the Bible... The message of the cross, and that's really where we need to start. What is it that we're supposed to get relative to the basic message of the cross? One of the great passages we'll pick up, Mark will pick up next week. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has who committed to us the message of reconciliation. I want you to look at that verse. I don't know that there is pound for pound a better verse in the Bible with respect to understanding what the message of the cross is. It describes it as the message of reconciliation. So if you want to know what is this all about, what is Christianity is about, what is Jesus about, what is God the Father about, what is it about? It's about the message of reconciliation. And we're going to talk about that, the message of reconciliation. And it describes the message of reconciliation. Look what it says. Um, There it is. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. I don't know that there's a better, easier, more terse description of what the message is. Let's break it down. It talks about God. What does it say about God? God was reconciling. What was God reconciling? Let's talk, wait, wait, we have to might think about what it means to reconcile. I want you to imagine that you offend me and I hold it against you. Let's say that I might be an employer or somebody whose opinion you really care about and you offend me. And um, say that I hold a grudge, and it impacts our relationship. We see each other as enemies. You know I'm angry at you. And so when you see me in the road, you kind of steer around me. Let's say I'm a powerful person, and, and you don't want to catch my eye. Let's say I get to the point where I, I want to change this relationship from being an enemy to being a friend. What would have to happen in order for me to do that? I'd have to see you, and I'd have to say, you know what? I could hold a grudge, but I'm not going to hold a grudge anymore. I am going to put that behind me. And let's say then, I take and I write a letter to you. And this message is a message of reconciliation. And I write it out, dear so-and-so. I know we've had our history. I just want you to know I am putting this behind me. And I want our relationship to be one of friendship. I don't want to be an enemy any longer. I want to be a friend. Okay, now, if I take this letter and I send it 
to you. I have taken the initiative to send to you a message of reconciliation. Am I still thinking and holding what you did against me? Am I still? No, because I wouldn't send the message if I was still holding it against you. Okay, now you have the letter in your hand. If you don't read the letter, is it going to change our relationship? If you don't read the letter, will it change our relationship? Has the relationship changed in my view? Yeah, it has. Has it changed in your view? No, you're still going to avoid me. Let's say you do read the letter and don't believe it. Is our relationship changed from your perspective? No, it isn't. Let's say you get the letter, you read it, and believe it. Is our relationship changed? Yeah. What happens if you believe it and then stop believing it? Is our relationship changed? It goes back to what it was, doesn't it? You still believe we're enemies. If you get this letter, read it, and believe it, it's going to change the relationship It's already changed it from my perspective. When you hear it and believe it, it changes it from your perspective. The message of the Bible is the message of reconciliation. What God is saying to you and to the world, I am, well, look what he's saying. God was reconciling. What was God reconciling? God was reconciling the world. Who is he reconciling the world to? God was reconciling the world. How did God reconcile the world to himself? God reconciled the world to himself through Christ. That's what happened at the cross. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. I wonder if you could memorize that. If you've memorized this, you've memorized a very, very good description of the message of what Jesus came to do. Can you memorize that? God. God was reconciling. God was reconciling. God was reconciling the world God was reconciling the world to himself. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. What is that? That is the message of reconciliation. That is the message of reconciliation. Um, What it is, God's saying... I'm not angry at you. Because if I was angry at you, I wouldn't have sent the message of reconciliation. I am not your enemy. And I'm not your enemy because if I was your enemy, I wouldn't have sent the message of reconciliation. Um, I am not counting your sins against you. Because if I were counting your sins against you, I wouldn't have sent you the message of reconciliation. I, You do not need to fear me. Because if you needed to fear me, I wouldn't have sent the... And what is the message of reconciliation? God, say it after, God. You memorize that? That is a really, really powerful verse. 
I don't know that there's a better one in the Bible. Clearer, shorter, just right on point. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. What is a Christian? What a Christian is? A person who believes this. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is a person who believes the message of reconciliation and believing it over time becomes changed by it. Is this going to change us if we believe it? It will. Believing that God's not angry with you? Believing God's not your enemy? Believing you don't have to be afraid of him? Believing he's not counting your sins against you? I'm talking about that sin. The one you think about when you close your eyes. Yeah, I'm talking about that one. The one that you can't forgive yourself for, but it's really not about what you think of the sin, is it? Isn't it really about what he thinks about it? And what does he think about it? He, if he didn't, if he was counting it against you, he wouldn't have sent the message of reconciliation. Um, a Christian is somebody who believes this. Who does God speak this message to? To you? Does he speak this message to you? Does he speak the message of reconciliation to you? Yeah. Who else does he speak it to? God reconciled. God announces this message to the world. Um, let's, let's reconstruct a map of the world. We did this a couple, couple, we've done it a couple of times, but we're going to do it again. I'm not going to make anybody stand up. Okay, this is, let's call this the Mediterranean Sea, right in the middle. This is Israel. And west of Israel, across the Mediterranean Sea, this is the Roman Empire, the land of the Gentiles. This is the land of the Jews. This is the land of the Gentiles. And as we've seen, we've got to divide you guys into thirds. Uh, you guys in the south, way in the back there, you guys are from the religious center of Israel. You're, you live near Jerusalem, okay? You're the Judeans. You guys in the middle, again, bad news, you're the Samaritans. And you're hated by both the northerners and the southerners. So I'm sorry about that. Okay, you guys in the northern part, you are from Galilee of the Gentiles. You live in a place you're not as religious as the people in the south are. Uh, you still love Israel, but you're not as careful about the laws. You don't care about, can I walk 15,004 steps on the Sabbath or 15,005? You're just not that. But... So, at any rate, so you're the Galileans, okay? You're the Samaritans, and you're the Judeans. You got that? And who are you? You guys are Gentiles. Okay. <laughs> so, in terms of the message of reconciliation, the first ones to get it were you guys. God extended to you the message of reconciliation. And what he wanted to communicate to you, because the disciples were Galileans, except one who was a Judean. And who was the one that you guys claimed back there? He was one of you. That's right, Judas Iscariot. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the rest, most of them were Galileans, though. They were from the north. They were you guys. And so he extends to you the message of reconciliation, which was, I'm reconciling the world to myself through Christ. I'm reconciling you to myself. I'm not counting your sins against you. 
and I am committing to you and trusting to you the message of reconciliation. You know what it means to entrust that? Here's the way it worked, that God could have spread this message writing across the sky, but he didn't. He gave it to people to and through whom he was going to give it to others. And what he did, he gave this message to, um, well, what he said, I have a mission for you. I'm giving you this message of reconciliation, and you're not going to really focus it on the Samaritans to the north of you, to the south of you, and you're not going to give it to the Judeans. You know what I'm going to ask you guys to do? I'm going to ask you guys to go over there. So I'm going to give you this message, and you know what I want you to do? I want you to tell them God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And and what that means, and I want you to tell them that God's not angry at you, and he's not mad at you, and he's not your enemy, and he's not counting your sins. Now, when you go and give them that message, you guys in the back are going to it's going to drive you crazy. Let's hear it. Boo! Okay, you don't have to do that. Okay, I told you, you don't have to do anything embarrassing. Um, and what's going to happen? When you guys take this message over there, it's a free gift. It's a free gift. Message is a free gift. They are going to pay a dear price to carry it. They're going to lose their neighborhood, and they're going to lose their livelihood. They're going to be hated by you and hated by you and really not accepted by you. You will accept them, but they won't be your closest friends. But they have a message that they've been entrusted with. Um, they are, then, the stewards of reconciliation. Here's what a steward is. If I'm the homeowner, and I want, and you guys are servants, what happens, a homeowner, a homeowner will take some servants and give them a task. Again, the task is, um, let's say, to give you guys food, clothing. What a homeowner would do, the lord of the house, he would pick servants and he would give supplies and you are responsible now to take these supplies and to give these supplies to them. Because you're responsible, and because I care about them, this is a duty. If you take these things and don't dispense it to them, they're not going to get them, and I am not going to be pleased. Now, there's a little bit of a privilege here, because I'm entrusting things to you, and there will be a reward, but there's responsibility. If you take these things and hoard them, I am not going to be pleased. And there will be an accounting. But if you trust me, if you see the value of this, and if you bring it to them, then at some time, you know what I'm going to do? As you have taken things from me to them, but Jesus indicates at some point, I am going to come and serve you. And I'm going to be the one to wait on you. And I'm going to give you some things and they give things to you, but I'm going to reward them because they took things from me and gave them to you. And you're going to like it when that happens. But there's a weight. There's some responsibility. Um, 
A steward is a servant who is given responsibility to take supply from the head of the house and give them to servants. Um, so do you understand why I'm doing all this? The message of reconciliation, they were given it, and they were given the responsibility, the task, the privilege, and the responsibility to take this message and to give it to them. On behalf of me, I am telling you to go to tell them, I am not angry at you. I am not your enemy. I am not counting your sins against you. And that's the way it works. They don't need to fear me. Uh, If they're going to get this message, I'm not going to give it directly to them. I'm going to give it to you to give it to them. And if you don't give it to them, they don't get it. And you know what I think about that? I care about them. I care about them because they have no idea how I feel about them. Nobody's ever talked to them about me. I am choosing you to do that. You are my stewards. That makes sense? It's a high privilege and a heavy responsibility. Uh, Jesus had some things to say. Do you understand what we're doing here? We're, we're, we're making a difference between stewards and servants. Do they get the same judgment? Am I going to judge you the same way I judge them? The answer is, what is it? It is not. I am not going to judge you the same way I judge them. They don't have the level of responsibility. Jesus told a story once. He said, blessed are those servants to whom the master finds awake when he comes. I'll just read it Um, from Luke 12. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. He's talking about you guys. Uh, Stewards, if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. If I come and, and you're still hard at it, you don't have your best life, but you're still trying to get the message out, and if I find you doing that, I'm going to go, well done. Well done. It matters to me that they get what they need. Um, But know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming for at an hour when you don't expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Do you understand what he's saying? Peter said, hey, Jesus, are you telling this story just to us or to everyone? Do you treat us the same way you treat everyone else? What do you think Jesus' answer was? I treat everybody the same. Think that's the answer? Listen to what he says. And the Lord said, who is the faithful and wise manager, steward? Who is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Jesus said, Peter asked, is this for us or for everyone? And Jesus' response was, it's not for everyone. I'm talking to stewards, right? Would you agree with me? the ones who had given responsibility, and listen to what he says to them. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and, and put him with the unfaithful. Now, this thing about he'll come at a, 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 do you need to be afraid of that? I'm going to come at a time, and I might 
punished? Do you need to be afraid of this? Is it, are you guys, if you guys are servants, you have nothing to be afraid of. This is not for you. Do you guys have something to be concerned about here? Yeah, this is for you. This is for you. It's a hard message. Um, it's a hard message. So um, the first stewards of reconciliation were Galilean Jewish Christians. And jars of clay, they became battered in the process. We saw this in chapter 4, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. He's talking about how the kind of life you guys have. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who are who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh, so that death is at work in us, and life is at work in you. They transmit the message of reconciliation, and they die in doing so. And you get this precious gift. You get to live, and they pay the price for postage and handling. You get a free gift, but they bear the cost of transmitting it. Um, Okay, so there are pronouns here in this verse, and, and we need to be careful with them. Let's apply all this. You got the map? You got an idea about how this works? Let's apply it to the text now. Let's see, look what it says in verse 9. Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Who's the we? Yeah. Somebody just pointed over to you guys. Good. <laughs> um, Paul is thinking of... Um, I would say especially, let's say you two, you you guys in the front, you guys, because God gifts people differently. Some people, Galileans, let's say, Chuck, you back to you, you guys are all Galileans. And I'm sorry, Brett, that makes you a Samaritan. Okay, anyways. Okay. I'm going to give some of you teaching gifts. You guys. You, 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 and you. You're responsible, you two. Your responsibility will be being given a teaching gift to understand the message clearly and to communicate it from up front, one-to-one, small groups. To some, God gave teaching gifts. To some Galileans, to some others, he didn't give teaching gifts. He gave serving gifts. The ability to love, be hospitable, a leader, mercy, encouragement, faith, service. And what would happen then, you guys would go over, some of you guys would reflect the message of reconciliation mainly by what you say. Others will reflect the message by what you do. It's not that you guys don't know the message, but the weight is not for you to be teachers, but for you to model the love of the message to them. That's the way, that's a pretty good plan, isn't it? He doesn't, he doesn't gift them all in the same way that some have teaching gifts, some have serving gifts. And um, particularly when he says um, whether we make it our aim to please him, I think Paul is thinking particularly of himself and the delegation, which are teachers, the, his apost- apostolic group. 
when he says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now that's what we have to tack down. Who is we all? Is it you guys? Some of you are shaking your head no, and you're right. Not this judgment. Is it you guys? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yes. Is it you guys? Yes. Yes. You're not going to be judged for the same thing. You're going to be judged by, did you teach him? You're going to be judged by, did you express? Yeah. And we'll kind of leave you guys out for now. Uh, those with teaching and serving gifts will be held accountable for their management of those talents. When it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, what Paul is talking about is himself, those with teaching gifts, those with serving gifts who have gone into the Roman Empire because they were stewards of reconciliation. That's who he's talking about. Um, in verse 12, it says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but are giving you cause to boast about who is the you here. What he's doing is he's giving you guys room to know how much you matter to God. And you say, well, how much do I matter to God? He sent them to tell you, I'm not angry at you. I'm not your enemy. I'm not counting your sins against you. You don't need to be afraid of me. And you don't need to worry about a judgment because it's not about you. Um, the, the phrase receive what is due, and now I'm going to back to you guys. The phrase receive what is due, what he's talking about, the word for good here is not moral good. It's what's worthwhile. You're going to be judged for how useful you were. How useful. And the judgment is going to be about condemnation, commendation, commendation, not condemnation. The judgment will not be about condemnation. It will be about commendation. And um, that's, it's about what's good and what's, it's not evil is a bad translation. It's what's evil there. It's not evil. It's worthless. Let's say some of you didn't really take the responsibility seriously. And you don't have much to show. You kind of lived your life to be comfortable. And you're not going to be very commended. I don't think you're going to be condemned because... God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. You're not going to be condemned, but you won't be commended. And when he comes to serve, you understand how important it is to understand who the we is and who the you is? Are we going to all have to stand before there, and is he going to show a highlight reel of all the things we've done wrong? Is that what this verse is talking about? No, it is not. It is not. And I don't believe that will happen. Why would you say that, Mike? Because this is the message of reconciliation. He's not counting your sins against you. Paul, before, look what it says in 1 Corinthians. He said the same thing in a prior letter. 
Read it. Look what I'll read it and you follow along. First Corinthians, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. What he's talking about here are builders. Who is he talking about? You. Whether your contributions were worthwhile or worthless. Now listen to what the, the, the judgment is going to be. It says, if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. They're going to be rewarded. Those Galilean Jewish Christians who gave down their life, Jesus is going to come to serve them. We're going to be watching from the sidelines, and he's going to say to some of you who, well done, well done, and you'll get a reward. How about those who didn't do really well? Are they going to get burned up and judged in this fire? No. Look what it says. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. These guys, let's say Dan. Let's say Dan didn't do a really good job. And if he doesn't have anything, doesn't say Dan's going to get burned up. Let's say, but in terms of what Dan has to contribute to what, there's not a lot to say what his, what he did. But Dan's not going to be burned up. Why? Because of the message of reconciliation. Do you understand the difference? you understand what steward judgment means here? Okay. That's pretty important to know, isn't it? Because the way you interpret this verse is very, very different. To suffer loss, yeah, again. It says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. The fear of the Lord is what motivates Paul for ministry and the fear is about reverence for God. It's not about terror. It's not the word. There is a healthy sense of, on behalf of here, it's, it's, it's the desire to please. There is a sense of weight, but it falls on the shoulders of the servants. And that's when Paul talks about the, well, because with respect to the motivation, look what he says in verse 11 through 15. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. If we're beside ourselves, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The motivation that Paul uses that controls him, he doesn't use fear to get you guys to behave. How could he? He couldn't use fear and be a steward of reconciliation, could he? He uses the love of Christ. And that's what we have here. There's a difference between servant verses and steward verses. And I'm very quickly, I'm just going to read through these. His servant verses. Look what it says in John 3, For God so loved the world, 
that gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn it. Um, there are verses that reverse to judgment, though. Look what it says in John 9. And what I want you to be thinking, okay, is this a servant verse or a steward verse? That's what I want you to think about, okay? Steward verse, servant verse. For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. They claimed to be givers of the message, but they were miscommunicating the message. Jesus says, for judgment I've come into this world. Is this judgment for servants or stewards? Which one? Which one? Stewards. It's a steward judgment. Those, if you don't know, you have nothing to be afraid of. If you claim to see and miscommunicate, then that's something to be concerned about. That's why Jesus got angry with the Pharisees. They were claiming to speak on God's behalf and didn't. And those who are recipients of the message, you really matter to him. So do you. So do you, and those who speak on behalf of the Father better get it right. Because this is the way God spreads the message. And if it gets stopped up, it doesn't reach. It would be a sh yeah. Jesus went on in verse, in verse 1 to say, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. A man who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. The one who goes in and out of the gate is not the sheep, it's the shepherd. It's the shepherd. This is a shepherd judgment. It's a servant judgment. It's a steward judgment. Okay, so what does this mean? What does this mean? Let's tie it up. We're done. What does this mean? Um... We can't replicate first century dynamics. You guys functioned at a pivotal, non-repeatable moment in salvation history. You can't. So it's not going to be exactly the same thing today. The first tier of Galilean Jewish Christians gave their life, and they died away. Within two to three hundred years, the church was mostly Gentile. You guys are the one who are going to get credit on the far side when Jesus comes back. Because the reason why this message is here is because of what they did. Um, but we can be, we might not be judged as stewards. Can we be messengers? Can we reflect the message? Can we? Absolutely so. We can be messengers of reconciliation. What's Okay, but you have to remember then, what is the message of reconciliation? Can you remember it? Close your eyes. See if you can repeat it with me. God 
Try it again. Good job. Try it. See if you can remember this. You can't pass on a message if you don't know what the message is. Can you pour this into your brain? Some people, they, they get so distracted by the trees that they don't know the forest. They get so distracted by all the little minutiae, they don't know what the message is. The message is not about how you get baptized. It's not about whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. That's not the message. The message is that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's given to us the message of reconciliation, not the way he gave it to, to Galilean Jewish Christians, but we get the chance to pass it on as well. Um, so are we going to be judged the way they will be? What's the answer? We will not. Is this verse of judgment for us? What's the answer? It is not. It is not. And for you guys, it's not going to be a condemnation judgment, but a commendation judgment. Uh, Brett, come on up. We're going to sing a closing song. You guys, you front guys, Galileans, have nothing to be arrogant about because what happened, God opened your eyes and he closed your eyes purposefully so that you would boot these ones out over to there. And they would have a chance to come in. But here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a time where he's going to put a stop sign over here. And all Israel will be able to see Jesus and understand who he is. I don't know how it works. You will open your eyes and you will weep over the one that has been crucified. And you will understand that he has always been your king. And he, and then that's, that's coming. God never... In, brings somebody into his family, and then dispatches them. He is really good. Your time's coming. Their time is coming. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are faithful. You're so wise the way you do things. You break things down. You send this group over to there, and you give a message that is so good. And not, a, not all of those who were your firstborn were dispatched. It had to be that way. There had to be conflict so that Galileans could be pushed into the Roman. But that's not going to be forever. There's going to be a time where you're going to open the eyes of your firstborn. And they will, after Jesus comes and we'll all be gathered up there, they will be summoned and we will be there. But you will look at them and look at us. You will welcome us into your family forever. And then you will focus on those to and through whom the message of reconciliation came, and you will say to them, well done. Thanks for that, in Jesus' name. Amen.